The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out of this. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. Put it in the box. In the history box. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mets Baseball Carnival podcast. This is your host, Zach, and I am joined by my co-host, Joe. You can follow us on Twitter at MetsBBCarnival, at BravZ, and you could follow Joe on Twitter at Joe underscore MetsBBC, and yes, I have to look that up because I always forget it. <laughs> Joe, what is going on, my man? How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Mets have been uh, staying busy the past few days. Uh, some big trades, some signings that went in our favor, went against us as well. Uh, we have a new GM since the last time we spoke. We have um, some beef going on with our owner. We have our former GM just off to a new gig. I mean, it's there's been a lot since we last spoke. We, we last spoke when the Lindor deal went down. And there's a lot to touch on, so let's kind of just dive right into it. Um, so on Wednesday, Wednesday night, uh, the Mets struck a deal. They got, um, they were able to unload Steven Matz to the Toronto Blue Jays, and they got back three prospects in return. Um, I really didn't think that they were going to be able to get much of anything for him. I, I was wondering if they were even going to get a bag of baseballs in return. That's how much his value has diminished the past few years. But the Mets were actually able to get uh, three prospects in the deal. Uh, one of them was actually a top prospect a few years ago when Sean Reed Foley. He's still 25. And then they also got two two guys in, in the Blue Jays' top 30, in Josh Winkowski and Yancy Diaz. Um, both were kind of on the back end of their top 30. But uh, this is exactly what Sandy was talking about when he came on board. He really wanted to retool the upper minor league depth, and that's exactly what this is. Um, Reed Foley is probably going to be a, a bullpen piece or maybe a starter in AAA. He actually has – he's got really good stuff, just really his main issue is command. So if he can work on a few of those things, maybe he turns into something. Like I said, he was – I think he was a top 100 prospect back in 2017 or 2018, so he does have that prospect pedigree. It'd be interesting to see if he can kind of put it all together. And Winkowski um, does have a high velo fastball, and he, um, I think he's came, coming off of Tommy John surgery, so he went um, unprotected in the Rule Five draft and. Um, yeah, it, it, this is just a good fit for the Mets because they get three guys that they can kind of move up and down the system, which has really been a problem with their upper minor league depth. Uh, guys did not have options anymore. So this kind of retools the uh, the depth for them. What are your initial thoughts on the deal, Joe? Yeah, I think I echo a lot of what you said. Um, very surprised myself when the deal came through, when it was announced on Twitter. Um and not too many rumors once it was first rumored to when um to when the deal was basically finalized by both clubs. I think maybe an hour or so passed between rumor number one and then both teams announcing via Twitter that the deal was finalized. Um but the return that the Mets got again, as you said, it was uh, it's a priority of this front office to retool the minor league system. 
And this this deal certainly does that. Uh, three right-handed arms that are highly touted um, with both, as you mentioned, their number 26 and number 27 ranked prospects in, in the Blue Jay system, which is, it's it's a fairly deep, uh, very deep system. Um, and I mean, again, I thought of a bag of balls as well for Matt, but if there was anyone prime for um, as a candidate for a change of scenery that could see some upside, I think Matt is the perfect candidate. Uh, Long Island kid drafted by his hometown team, uh, I believe in the in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, highly touted, made his debut. Uh, that game is for his first start. Uh, did more with his bat, I think, than than with uh, than on the mound. All I remember is Grandpa Matt's. Yes, Grandpa Matt's. There was a lot of cutaways to Grandpa Matt's, and uh, I, I mean, it was it was it was a great it, debut. A, a, bit, a bit of a meme, a little bit after that, but um, honestly, I think that was one of his more memorable moments as a Met, which is kind of sad because yeah, I mean, we were we were expecting so much from him, yep. and it just it just never worked out. So I agree with you in terms of I think a change of scenery. Will do him well. Um, he should be locked into the back end of the rotation for the Blue Jays, and we wish nothing but the best to Steven. I mean, he did some great charity work as well. I mean, he was really well liked in the clubhouse and by the community, and it's a shame to see him go, but um, I just think it's best for both parties here. So, um, best of luck to Matt, and hopefully we see uh, hopefully we see some of those guys in the big leagues this year. Um, hopefully it pans out for somebody. Uh, I'm sure those guys kind of, or at least Reed Foley could have used a change of scenery as well. So Stephen Matz, no longer a Met, now a Blue Jay. Uh, speaking of the Blue Jays, uh, they took one of our prime targets, which um, we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bummed about this one. Uh, he signs with the Blue Jays for, for six years, 150 mil. Um, it's the largest contract in the history of the Blue Jays organization. Last largest contract was Vernon Wells for 126 mil. Wow, we're a throwback. Huge throwback. Um, former Yankee great. Remember, he was traded to the Yankees for like half a season. But, um, yeah, I mean, this one hurts. I think this was the big the big sign that most Mets fans wanted to see all offseason long here. Uh, obviously, it goes to the Blue Jays, and they already have a, a strong young lineup. And this just bolsters that lineup even more. They're, they become an instant contender here, but this kind of leaves us in the dark with our center field situation. Um, what do you, what do you think? What, what, what's the direction that we go in now? Do you think we stick with Nimmo? Do you think we're in on Jackie Bradley? Is there another name to watch? Maybe in the trade market? What do you think we're gonna, gonna do with the center field position now that Springer's off the market? I think we're in on Jackie Bradley, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I mean, Springer looked like he was the prime target of the big three free agents, uh, Springer, Realmuto, and Bauer. Um, clearly would have filled a need in center field, not just defensively, or not just uh, at the plate, but defensively as well, with Nimmo, I think, being one like the lowest-ranked defensive center fielders in the game. Um, it was it was hard to see him sign with someone else, Um but I, I think there's other options out there. There was an emphasis on on uh, uh, run prevention um, with this front office, and run prevention could come in the form of Jackie Bradley Jr. And there is a connection between Jackie Bradley Jr. and 
the new GM for the Mets and Zach Scott. They go back to their Boston days, and I know Zach Scott is very analytically driven, and I think um, I think a, a defensive-minded center fielder who can bring some offense to the table would be a great fit for us. But it does sound like there are some other suitors. Uh, it sounds like the Giants are heavily in the mix as well as some other teams. So we'll see what happens with Bradley. I would expect that to maybe come to a conclusion uh, within the next week. He seems to be kind of one of the next dominoes to fall in free agency. Yeah, and I think he's, he's rumored to want a, uh, an everyday spot on a roster. I don't know if he's going to get that here in New York with Nemo. It yeah. all depends, I think, on the on the situation with the DH. Um that could be that could be the reason for his holdout, but we'll see. Yeah, if there is no DH and we do go out and get a center fielder, I mean, it's really going to make things difficult for for a lot of our big bats to get playing time. Uh, it sounds like Sandy really just doesn't want Dom out in left field. Uh, more, he just really doesn't like him out there. He's a defensive liability, plain and simple. So if if we do get a center fielder in there and that pushes Nimmo to left, I mean. It kind of puts uh, Dom Smith in a time crunch there. Um, you're not going to bench Alonzo unless he's really struggling. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shapes out with this roster. That kind of rolls into my theory from a couple of weeks ago. I mean, do, do you send one of those two down no, for the season? No, not. <laughs> carry your best bats on the active roster. Look, I don't, have, think, I don't disagree with you, but there's clearly going to be a roster crunch if there is an addition to the outfield and no DH. If there's no DH, then you take one of those guys. If they're not starting that day, they'll come. Dom Smith will come in as a defensive replacement later in the game, or will come in for a pinch hit appearance. I don't think there is. I think there. I think it's a 99% chance that doesn't happen. So you're saying that there's a shot. <laughs> there is. A, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll see how that pans out with the center field situation for the Mets. But yeah, the Springer one. That one hurts. Um, also, JT Realmuto the other day, he re-upped with the Phillies. This does not surprise me. I was expecting him to return to the Phillies, uh, even though they were bluffing all offseason, or at least before they brought on Dombrowski and saying, oh, we don't have any money, yada, yada, yada. And, of course, they pull all this money out of their pockets, like Dombrowski typically does. And, yeah, signs him to... A uh, what is it? A five-year, hundred and fifteen million dollar deal, and he gets the highest AAV of any catcher in Major League history. Uh, it's important that you notate it's not just one hundred and fifteen million; it's one hundred and fifteen and a half million. <laughs> That's what puts me. him over the Joe Mauer deal, Ooh. his extension in two thousand and I believe two thousand and ten. Um, he got eight years, one hundred and eighty-four million, with a, a uh, average annual value of twenty-three million per year. Real Muto beats it by a grand per season. So uh-huh. don't leave don't leave the 500k off the table. Yeah, it's or- clear that that was important to Real Muto in these in this these, this contract negotiation that he wanted to be the highest paid catcher in the game all time, highest yeah. AAV. Well, I mean, I get, he's he's got some type of like fiduciary responsibility to the catchers behind him. Um, clearly, he's the most gifted offensively. Yeah. Um. So there, there was this expectation that he would set the the record for the highest average annual value, and he had to do it. I mean, he did it by the skin of his teeth. He got it. Um. I mean, probably not by it. as much as. I mean, yeah. I, yes. He does. He deserve it. Yes. Um. 
But look, tough market here coming off of a, a shortened season due to the pandemic. And a lot of teams, really a lot of teams are not on the buy side of things. They're on the sell side. And that really limits his ability to, to really leverage teams against each other to try to, to squeeze the most out of the market. So once the Mets went with McCann, I, he was, he was definitively going back to Philadelphia. It was just a matter of, um, matter of figures in terms of value in years. Yeah. There really weren't too many other suitors. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Do you think the Mets, uh, knowing that they missed out on Springer, um, obviously the Lindor deal went down. Do you think the Mets are going to regret not signing JT Realmuto to a long-term deal? I don't think so. I mean, historically, I mean, we catchers break down, right? And is he going to be worth 23 and a grand, 23.1 million in year four, year five? Yeah. No. Again, you're paying him for, for past production and potential production over the next one to two years. It's possible right. he could see a move to first base over the course of this deal as well, which is something or that really the, doesn't the work DH with us. As well. I mean, DH, he would be yeah. a beneficiary of the DH. So, yeah. look, I mean, you'll be able to squeeze more from him over the next five years with a universal DH than you would without. Um, so maybe that's like the upside for the back end of the contract. That may be what makes it enticing to go five mm-hmm. years with him. But uh, we'll see. Time will tell. But I, I don't think I don't I think the Mets are very satisfied with McCann again one year shorter and we have Alvarez kind of waiting in the wings who's become a very highly touted prospect behind the dish. That's one of the reasons why I was okay with not going like five or six years for Real Muto because of Alvarez. Um, I think the McCann deal what was it three years? I think that overlaps. No, it was four years. Is it no? Is it, is it four guaranteed or is it three with an option? Three with an option, maybe. I don't know, but either three or four years. I mean, that's that's probably the time frame that you're looking for for Alvarez. Hopefully, yeah, it's his more ETA than is 2023. 20, I think based on um, uh, fan graphs, I believe. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, problem is, but they need minor league baseball. Uh, that whole lost season last year kind of may have delayed that ETA for him and a bunch of other prospects. We'll, we'll see, but. I think all in all, I think I think the Mets made the right move. I think they locked in McCann, who really knows how to handle a pitching staff, and he's gotten better offensively the past few years. And they were able to get Lindor. Obviously, the big thing uh, for this is going to be if they can lock in Lindor and maybe Conforto as well. And then if that's the case, then it was definitely worth not going after Real Muto and Springer. So yeah, agreed. We shall see. Um, one other big signing that did not go our way was Brad Hand, even though, my goodness, the reports last week were just they were ter- they were out terrible. of control. Rosenthal terrible. and Joel Sherman and Nightingale and, um, I don't know, it just seemed like every reporter was just um, tweeting out. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like so many reporters were tweeting out false information or deal is done, but it really isn't done. I mean, they, there was a tweet, I don't remember exactly, it may have been like a week ago, but they said that Brad Hand and the Mets are close to a deal, and then it just completely fell through. Yeah, that was so, Rosenthal. Got our hopes up, yeah. but Hand ends up going to the Nationals, which, you know what, I'm okay with. I really am. I, I think Brad Hand, his skills have been declining the past few years. Yeah, he had some good surface stats last year. Uh, I think he was top three in the AL in saves, maybe even led the league. I don't have it in front of me, but he was up there in saves. But you know what? 
a lot of the saves were shaky saves. He didn't look fantastic. His velo has dropped on his fastball, and I think I think within the next year or two, we're really going to see a steady decline in Brad Hand's production. So I'm not overly upset about it. I'm just more pissed about the fact that Rosenthal said it was happening to us, yeah. and it wasn't, and it didn't. I think that's – I mean, I don't know what's been driving the misinformation, and it's possibly because we're in such a unique situation with the free agent market with the financial – inabilities of a lot of these front offices that it's probably taking some posturing on behalf of like the agents to really stir up the market for their, for their client. I can see this, this with Brad hand being exactly the case. I think he went through a, an agent change in the middle of all of this. Um, and I mean, I, apparently he didn't want to pitch in New York and he wanted to close and he signed a yeah. one year deal. Right. So I, I think he's betting on himself for this upcoming season to perform well and then try to re-up next offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the key things in this whole thing, like you said, I think Hand wanted to close, and he wasn't going to get that guarantee from no, that. No, so. not with Diaz, especially not with Diaz's performance over, I mean, again, short season, but he looked really, really good, and his advanced stats on spin rate, whiff rate were just outrageous. I mean, 99th percentile in almost every category for Diaz. After we spent... All last season, just bashing him because we just wanted him out of New York. <laughs> well, also with the freaking package that we had to give up. Yeah. Thank you, Brody. It's not the gift that, that keeps on giving. <laughs> the yeah. new number four prospect in all of baseball, Jared Kalenic. Unbelievable. Honestly, could be number two, as high as two. I mean, you get to the top five. I mean, they could all be all be. Ah, uh, we can't talk about this. Pisses me <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Brad Hand, best of luck in Washington. The last memory that Mets fans have of Brad Hand was J.D. Davis's walk-off hit against Brad Hand, against the Indians. So hopefully there will be a lot more of that. I I feel very confident that the Mets will be able to rough up Brad Hand this year. And I look forward to it, honestly. Sean Doolittle 2.0. Oh, man. That would be unbelievable. Imagine if they bring Sean Doolittle to Mets. What's that? Imagine if the Mets bring in Doolittle, add another uh-huh. lefty to go along with our new lefty. Nice segue. Yes, Aaron Aaron Loop, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays, is the newest Mets reliever. Kind of a Wait, you're forgetting you're forgetting one other lefty that we brought in prior. Jerry's World. No, post Jerry's World. Who? Luke Casey. Luke Casey. I'm sorry. I was talking about the bullpen. Let's talk about Aaron Loop first because it's right. fresh in my mind and it happened. <laughs> okay. When did it happen? It happened on Tuesday, on Wednesday. Um, but regardless, Aaron Loop, um, sneaky good signing, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, really has a nasty left-handed, like three-quarter sidearm delivery. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be very deceptive for lefties. This is going to be a guy who we can throw out there against Juan Soto, against Freddie Freeman, against Albies, although Albies is a switch hitter, but he is horrible against left-handed pitching. Um, who else in the division am I missing? Um, I don't know. Those are probably the big ones. Harp, uh, Bryce, Bryce Harper. That's the Bryce, one I'm thinking yeah. of. <laughs> uh, <Over it. clears throat> but, 
Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> this is this is a huge, this is a big signing. Uh, it was only a one year. I think it was three million dollar deal. But the Mets needed another lefty in the pen. We like you said, we signed Jerry Blevins earlier in the season to a minor league deal. I mean, not sure. Love Jerry. Great stuff. Think he still has some stuff in the tank. I don't know if you can trust him with this three batter minimum rule. But the difference with Aaron Loop is he actually has been pretty good against righties as well. He's got a nasty sinker, and he really worked on his cutter last year. And his cutter uh, had a 182 batting average against against righties last year. So he's clearly effective against righties and lefties. .9 ERA against left-handed pitching last year. Obviously, small sample size in uh, the 2020-60 game season, but this guy has proven that he can get lefties and righties out. Um, so yeah, I think this is a a good move. This is a guy that came off of Tommy John surgery in 2019, missed all of 2019, and yeah, I mean he appears to be healthy and he appears to um, he appears to be able to strike these guys out. And he really doesn't walk too many guys as well. Um, he's among the league leaders. I think he's in the 93rd percentile of walk rate. So he is a very good addition to this bullpen. What are your thoughts on the Aaron Loop signing? Yeah, look, I, we needed to get another lefty in the bullpen. Um, I mean, all, our eyes and hearts were set on, on Brad Hand just because of, of who the, uh, the type of closer that he is and what he can bring to that to that role for the Mets. But um, I mean, I think we got someone who is going to fill that role well. And as you said, I mean, he's not, he doesn't walk a whole lot of guys. Uh, I think less than, less than, uh, a base runner per inning, which is great. I think 90, 93rd percentile, I think in, in walk rate. Yeah. I think as you mentioned, 4.2 um, walk rate, which is way below league average. League average is like 8.3. So he's, he's really good in the control department. Yeah, and look, a guy is he kind of is a little bit of a, a soft thrower, and his exit velocity is in the 74th percentile, so he's not getting hit hard too much. Um, so yeah, look, I think I think he's gonna he's gonna perform well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy can do with the, with the Mets here. Um, so yeah, you got to get creative. I, I thought another name maybe that the Mets were going to explore was bringing back Oliver Perez, who's a free agent. Could you imagine? Oh man, that would be. That would be beautiful. Come How old is he now? 41, 42? He's, he's in the 40s. Gray, gray hair and all. Um, he was on the 06 team. So yes. I, that would be, oh my God. That would be insane <laughs> if we bring it back. I think it should, I think we should do it. Well, Justin Wilson was also someone who was rumored to be a potential acquisition. Yeah. I don't think they're done either with the bullpen, whether it's a lefty or righty. I mean, they have a, a solid looking pen right now. I think. There might be some other moves to make, whether they're trying to shed some more payroll and <laughs> unload Familia in a possible Betances. deal. Betances. Yeah, um, but I think, I think Familia is probably the next to go. I think they're building a package. Um, I have a feeling that they're building a package that, that moves Familia and his $10 million contract for next season. Um, for what? Do you think we're looking at like prospects here? Or do no, you think, I think this could I be think, for like a Chris Bryant or Aaron Chris Otto Bryant. Thing? I think I think there's going to be a deal with the Cubs. To be honest, I don't know. There was a little bit of smoke a couple of weeks back um, regarding a, a Bryant deal back to New York, um, not back to New York, but to New York, exchanging Familia and 
taking a small net positive on the the Bryant contract. I think he's I don't know if he's settled in arbitration, but I think he's due like eighteen or nineteen million for twenty twenty one. He's due a lot, yeah. So, and the question the, and is, NL, I mean, NL Central is completely, I mean, shedding payroll yeah. like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, um, I'm very intrigued by the idea of Chris Bryant. Obviously, he's coming off of a few very rough seasons where he really hasn't been completely healthy. But what are we going to give up for him? I mean, they've been asking for Alvarez, which is not happening. What are we going to have to – we're going to have to give up something. I mean, he's still a former MVP player who still has a lot left in the tank. Like, I'm just concerned about giving up a lot for him and not resigning him. Like, is this just a one-year rental? I mean, we have other priorities. Florida and Lindor. Could right you now. part with a JD Davis? Oh, yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to. Would. You bring on bring on Bryant. Do you right? think do you think JD Davis, Familia, and maybe like a, I would say maybe a prospect like outside of the top ten? Do you think that gets it done? Uh, you know what? I, I'd repackage the entire deal that the Mets just got from Toronto and send them <laughs> to Chicago. Mm. I don't think kind of reckless, but I I think there's they're they're clearly building minor league assets to not only help like retool the system, but use them to in acquisition. So I don't um, know. We'll say it depends on the, the return back from the cops. I don't think it's just, it would just be a Brian. I think there's going to be, um, I think there have to be like a, a starting pitcher coming back as well. Like, yeah, I think it's yeah, I mean, that would be really intriguing if we could pull okay. off uh, a Hendricks and Bryant, but I just think that's really going to require a decent prospect piece going back. I mean, they're not unloading any of the top five guys, I don't think, in Mauricio Alvarez, Beatty, Allen, and Pete Crow Armstrong. I think all those guys are off the table at this point. I mean, if we can get somebody from, like, the 10 to 15 range – Sure, I'm not going to lie. I don't even know who a lot of these guys are. And a lot of these guys are just so young, international guys that are in rookie ball. I mean, a lot of these guys don't typically pan out. So if we could package some of these guys. Yeah, but look at the return we got for Lindor. Right? We got Lindor and Carrasco, and we gave up, I mean, with Jimenez and Rosario, who Rosario might get dealt, apparently. He's in, like, rumors to be moved out of out of, of uh, Cleveland. Yep. Um. I, I don't know if it's going to take much. I mean, the central is shedding payroll. They're shedding payroll, but I th- I don't think the Indians got a horrible package. I don't think it was horrible as well, but I don't think the package to acquire Hendricks and a Chris Bryant is going to be all that steep, <laughs> to be honest. I hope you're right. I'll throw uh, Franklin Killamay their way yeah. with, with J.D. <laughs> Davis and uh, – I'll throw Corey Oswald their way. Who's the who's the other guy? I'll throw Paul Seawald their way as well. My God, I'm so tired of seeing those two. <laughs> I never thought I'd say I miss Chris Flexen, who's now on the Mariners after his KBO stint. But it's possible. I really think that the. I don't think they are done. I think they are really targeting the third baseman. I don't. I would love to see Justin Turner back. I really would. I think Sandy would love to just kind of right his wrong and bring him back, but I just think it's going to be a little too expensive. 
and the Dodgers are not going to let him go. In the same in the same fashion in which the Yankees couldn't let DJ go. Yeah. They're playing hardball right now. Yeah, that's what they're yep. doing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he ends up going back to LA on maybe like a three year deal with an option or something. But I, Although, I as you pointed out, the the director of our um, analytics is extremely tight with, and you you pointed this out offline, but he's extremely tight with Justin Turner. Yeah, I guess they played some like fancy football or poker like a couple of years ago and got really close. I could see it happening. I don't. I mean, I don't think a, a, a director of, of analytics is going to like have that much pull to bring uh, to bring Turner to to New York, but it's an interesting connection. To maybe, say the least. maybe Sandy wants to right his wrongs and bring back Turner after DFAing him many many years ago. We'll see. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I honestly think a Chris Bryant trade is more likely. Yes. Which I, I would really be intrigued if it happens. I agree with you. I don't think the package is going to be too expensive, but we're going to have to give something of value. And you know what? J.D. Davis, bye-bye. <laughs> I'm completely fine. I mean, what's of value is a swap in, in, um, salaries. in salaries and, and, and financial commitment. Yeah. Right? So We'll see. See what happens. That's an intriguing name to watch for sure. Yeah. Um, we also haven't touched upon. You mentioned his name before, Joey Lucchese. That was a a very random deal that went down last week. Um, Lucchese. There was a three team trade. It was the uh, the Padres and the Pirates for for Joe Musgrove. And all of a sudden, the tweet comes out that Joey Lucchese is in the deal, but he's going to the Mets and as a part of a three way deal. Uh, we gave away a. A catching prospect who really wasn't on the radar too much. So we really got him for, for next to nothing. And uh, it was intriguing because everybody was saying Lucchese and Matt's were going to battle it out for that fifth, fifth starter job. Obviously, Matt's no longer here. So as of right now, it looks like Lucchese is in line for that fifth starter job unless we go out and sign somebody who we'll talk about shortly. Um <laughs> But Lucchese, I mean, he really he didn't do anything that blew me away in San Diego. I think a change of scenery was probably good for him as well. Uh, what what did you think about the deal? I mean, I know you were uh, a lefty specialist back in the day. So what what's your take on this very funky left-handed delivery guy in Lucchese here? First, first of all, I don't think it was a lefty specialist. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was ran out there for on multiple outings and pitched like 150 pitches to 200 pitches. All right, I'm Definitely sorry. Not a lefty okay, specialist. you're a left-handed starting ace. Okay, <laughs> excuse me. Um, <laughs> I still hear deeds with the clicker in my in my nightmares. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, look, it, surprising again. There were no rumors about the Mets being linked to any type of of transaction. Um, when this went down. And that's one thing that this front office has been really good with this off season is limiting the rumors and really not having the fan base really find out until the deal is just about done, if not all the way done. So kudos to the Mets front office for that. But um, again, very, very surprising. Wasn't expecting uh, to be part of this deal. Um, and I think Lucchese, as you mentioned, at the moment, he slots into the into the five spot in the rotation. I do think we're going to make an acquisition for a starting pitcher 
Is it going to be the, through the free agent market? Is it going to be through trade acquisition? We'll see. Um, I don't think opening day he is our number five starter unless he has a really strong spring training. Um, you'd have to think if there is an acquisition that's added to this rotation, who would he have to displace? Is it a, a, a Peterson to get that five spot? I mean, I'm high on Peterson. I, th- I thought he had a really, really good um, – He's not overtaking Peterson. But he he would be the guy. I mean, depending on who they bring in, unless they bring in someone to battle for the fifth spot, if it's anyone that is mid to upper tier for a rotation, if Lucchese, if Lucchese is the starting pitcher on opening day in this rotation, it's probably going to be Peterson that he displaces. Right? I hope not. I hope not as well. But depending on how these guys perform in, in the spring, I think they both have options, right? They can both be shuttled between uh, the majors and, and AAA. No? They do. They do. Um, there's, there's flexibility there. Which is great. And this, this was one of the things that I mentioned earlier. This is one thing that Sandy wanted. He wanted controllable guys that he could move up and down in the system. And Lucchese has two options left. So the exact type of player that he's looking for. Um, and keep that in mind for when Sin- when Syndergaard comes back. Yeah. Because whether that whether it is is Peterson or Lucchese, so, like one of those guys will be sent down, or they'll be a, a long man in the bullpen. Or you just kind of ride it out. And I mean, let's be real. Injuries are going to happen. Somebody's going to go down. Next man up mentality. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like you hear all this talk about teams that are looking to go six man rotation. Like I just I'm not buying it because somebody's gonna get hurt. Somebody's gonna need rest. Like it's just it's not gonna happen consistently. So I think the pitching depth is is great what they're doing. Um, Lucchese and Peterson at the back end of the of the rotation there. Syndergaard coming back and I, I like you said I don't I don't think they're done. I think they're gonna add another arm or two, no. whether it's an elite arm. That remains to be seen. I think it could just be kind of um, back-end pieces at this point. But the question is, if if we do sign somebody else, I think Peterson does take the fifth starter job. What do you think they do with Lucchese? Do you think he stays stretched out in AAA, or do you think they use him as like a long swing man in the bullpen? I think precisely the, the former. I think he's going to be stretched out in AAA. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, he's... He's got he's got a decent arsenal. I just think he needs to work on that pitch mix a little bit. Sinker, curveball, cutter, changeup would be nice to see him maybe add a slider or something in there, kind of what the Mets are known for. But just his advanced stats, nothing really just blows you away. He's really struggled the past few years. So I think the change of scenery, maybe the change in coaching staff, maybe Jeremy Hefner can work with him a little bit. And, um, yeah, maybe he can just kind of become a – a new pitcher, he's still young. He's only 27, still has a bright future. Uh, maybe some more time in the minors. He may have been rushed to the majors in San Diego just because they needed arms. So we'll see. It's an intriguing name to watch as well in Lucchese. And okay, he's got a, a herky-jerky motion. I'm, I'm curious to see how he does with, with the Mets here. So Lucchese, interesting addition from the ball club. The question is, what are they doing next? We have... The top free agent on the market is still out there in Trevor Bauer. There's a lot of rumors circulating uh, the past day or so here that um, the Mets and the Dodgers really seem to kind of be the last two known teams in this. 
Um, the angels were reportedly in on it. And then uh, there was some information that came out that the angels are out because apparently Trevor Bauer has beef with somebody shocking. He's got beef with uh, with Mickey Calloway, former Mets pitching, uh, former Mets manager, former Indians pitching coach. So I thought that was very interesting. I, I thought the Angels really were a a likely destination for him. He's a SoCal guy, and it just felt like a a great fit. Artie Marino just throws money at players. It just seemed logical. Uh, whether or not this is true, I have no idea. But my question to you, Joe, is. Where do you think he ends up? Is it with the Mets? And if not the Mets, where is he going? And do we even do we want him? I mean, I'll start with the last question. I don't want him. <laughs> I don't think we need him, and especially at the price tag. Again, will he will he increase our chances of going to the postseason, winning the World Series? I think so. Yes. Is it worth it? I don't think so. Not. From a, a payroll standpoint, from a roster flexibility standpoint, from a culture standpoint, I don't think it's worth it. I think he ends up in, in California, whether it's with the Dodgers or the Angels. Um, I think it's a little bit of, of posturing uh, on behalf of the Angels to, to state that they're out of it. Um, again, I think all sides are looking to try to create some leverage where there isn't any, and this could be the Angels trying to create leverage in the situation. Um, I think the Angels have a responsibility to Mike Trout. <laughs> to try to go and do whatever they can to get him World Series ring. If there's anyone that deserves it on this planet, it's Mike Trout. So, um, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if they're in a the position to be able to do that in the, in the near term, but I, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I don't think he ends up in, in Queens, to be honest. I, I really don't. I think acquisition through the trade market is how we're going to improve this starting rotation. If we are to to bring in someone else, I don't think it's with Trevor Bauer and his supposed thirty six million dollar average annual annual value like price tag. Like that's no way, no way. I think that this Angels report. I agree with you. I think it could be BS. I think it could be Bauer and his agent just um, I don't know, just doing what they do. They're very sneaky with this and. Uh, just driving up the price tag for the other teams, and Angels just coming right back in there and swooping in and grabbing them. Um, they really could use him. Like you said, you, they're wasting away Trout's prime years, and they clearly could use rotation help the past few years. They got a nice little addition in Dylan Bundy, uh, but, I mean, Quintana, Jaime Berea are scheduled for two slots in that rotation, and Shohei Otani, you have no idea what you're getting. I don't know why I'm going so in depth on the Angels right now. I really don't <laughs> care. I just, it just seems like a logical fit. I just yeah. think if he, if he comes to the Mets, like you said, I think it's going to be for a shorter shorter deal, very high annual number, and uh, I think that could affect us in terms of re-signing some of the key guys that we want to re-sign. And I just, I don't love it, and I just, I don't want him in New York. I think he's just going to become. Look, he's and, already and a personality. Think, yeah. Th- think about like, think about the incentives on behalf of like <laughs> reporters and their publications, and trying to drive engagement. What drives the most engagement? Bauer to the Angels or Bauer to the Mets? Right. Linking the Mets fan base to Bauer 
good and bad. He's and he is completely polarizing. He's he is. you don't there's no in between with Bauer. You either really love him or you really hate him. And these reporters know what they're doing. I mean, it, it makes sense in terms of of opportunity with Steve Cohen now owning the Mets and his ability to spend resources to acquire talent. Um, that's what kind of like jumps off the page the most in terms of linking him to the Mets. But does this rotation really need him? And at the tune of four to five years, with an average annual annual value north of thirty five million, no. And is he going to get that at the end of the day? I have no idea. But I, he doesn't add enough to this roster to justify the spend. Yeah. I also don't know how he's going to do if he were to come to the Mets with that ego of his. I mean, he's clearly behind Grom. He's not the ace of the staff. And you got an ego with him through the roof. You got an ego in Marcus Stroman who thinks he's uh, it's a different type of ego, but Stroman is very high on himself as well. I just I just Stroman's palpable. Like Bauer's not. <laughs> yeah. I just don't really know if he would fit in with this uh with this organization. Really don't. Um we'll see. It's just so weird. Like just so many teams are just not willing to spend right now. There's just not a lot of unless there's some teams in it that we just don't know about. I mean, maybe the Giants are in it. The Giants have missed out on a few big time guys, but I think he probably wants to go to a winner right now and that's not the Giants. So I think I think that's unlikely. Do the Blue Jays have any money left? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> They've been after everybody so far. What's the exchange rate between uh, the U.S. and Canada? <laughs> it might be favorable for them. <laughs> I'm trying to say, I mean, it's doubtful that the Yankees are going to make a move. Um, I mean, Tanaka is going back to, to Asia. I mean. They don't want to go over the luxury tax, though. Maybe the Braves could see the Braves. It would make too much sense for the Twins to do that. I just don't think they want to spend either. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Twins would be a great spot. The Twins have been looking for an ace the past few years, and they just can't get a deal done. Look, I think Bauer has some high demands. He's looking to form a partnership with the organization, strictly or uh, beyond the strictness of just being like a, a, a player team relationship. He's looking to pitch every fourth day. He's got some some desire and I guess some some I think that's metrics over. that support him pitching every four days as opposed to every five days. So I think that's blown out of proportion. I, I, I would be very surprised if that happens. I look I would be too. But if that's a desire of his and it's something that he wants to do, I mean I think it's gonna be a smaller market team that gives him that type of opportunity, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know, man. I uh, I think that's the next big domino to fall here, and it really could happen in the next few days. Um, but Trevor Bauer, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think Mets fans would lose their minds if if this happened. I don't, Some, dude. I don't know about that. I mean, there's plenty of Mets fans. Are you saying in, in like a negative? I was going to say. I think some Mets fans are going to lose their minds in a positive and a negative way. I yeah. think I think the fan base is kind of split on this move. Um, listen, in the end, whether it's a short deal or a long-term deal, if he does come to the Mets, he should help us win ball games, which is really the end goal of this. 
The only thing is that it may kind of limit us in terms of what we can do with some of the other guys we want to keep on the team. So it's a matter of who we want to keep long term. Um, so we'll see. But Trevor Bauer is the name to watch. Uh, our next episode, we could be talking about where he ends up. So we shall see. Um, anything else you want to add on Bauer, or can we move on? I think we can move on. All right, just a few other quick things here before we wrap up. Uh, we mentioned about Zach Scott being promoted to the GM role. Uh, he kind of brings a, something that the Mets have been lacking, and that's analytics. Um, he was a... I think he was in charge of the analytics team over in Boston. So uh, I think him having that background um, will be huge for us. We needed to kind of beefen up the analytics department. So I think that'll be a great, great hire. Um, so we'll see how that unfolds with the Mets. They also brought on, uh, I think you mentioned it before, Ben Zosmer from the Dodgers from their research and development team. So the Mets are doing things a little bit differently this time around. They're they're kind of uh, trying to take on the analytics revolution here, yeah. something that the Wilpons and the previous regime were reluctant to do. Um, well, ben, so yeah. Ben's a Harvard guy, and then Scott is a um, a little Ivy up at uh, UVM in Vermont. So I think he was a mathematician um, or a mathematics major. Uh, at UVM, and uh, I mean, these analytics guys are—they're heavy into math. So, just hope that uh, just hope they did an extensive background check. I I would think that they did. Um, uh, coming off of Porter, and I think with the amount of time between the firing of Porter and the announcement of Scott as the interim GM, I think they did their due diligence um, in order not to miss anything. From a character standpoint, um, so I, yeah, I think I think they did what they needed to do. And then the former Mets general manager Brody Van Wagenen, thank you Brody for ruining this franchise the past few years. Yeah. Um, he was hired as COO of Rock Nation Sports, so he's getting back in the agent game. Good luck to him. Hopefully he can sign uh, Robbie Cano to another deal. Yeah, he's going to restructure his, his remaining two years with the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Robbie Cano. What a horrible person. Um, but, yeah, so Brody, moving on to other things. Uh, just another New York note, Tanaka Went back to Japan. That was another guy that the Mets oh. were maybe keeping tabs on. Apparently, someone checked in on him to close. There was a rumor. Really? Yeah. Which I found to be really interesting. He, I mean, he started off his career so bright in the in the majors, and then the UCL issues. I just he didn't seem. I mean, he never had the surgery, so it just seemed like yeah. he wasn't himself again. But it's a shame. I mean, I mean, he still had a good career. But uh, I think we were looking really good for him. in playoffs. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, really good, good um, playoff starter. I think we were expecting maybe more like you Darvish dominance, and I don't think he ever really reached that point. But still, a very good productive pitcher over the past what was it like seven years? He was in New York. Uh, I think it was an eight year deal. Eight year, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so those were the last uh, tidbits of news we wanted to touch upon. 
Um, also, um, MLB.com and The Athletic, they just recently dropped their their top 100 prospect list. And some some names to note, um, four Mets made the MLB pipeline list. Uh, Francisco Alvarez came in at number 48, top catching prospect. Ronnie Mauricio came in at 67, Matthew Allen 75, and Brett Beatty at 94. So just goes to show you that the Mets have been doing something right. Uh, they have drafted well in the past few years and dipped into the international market. So good to see those guys rise in the ranks, and hopefully in the next few years we see we could see Beatty and Allen making an impact maybe in the next two years here. Um a few other names of notes, Simeon, <laughs> Simeon Woods Richardson coming in at number 87. That's the guy in the Stroman deal. Oh. And a guy named Jared Kalenic, maybe you've heard of him, came <laughs> in at number, number four overall prospect in baseball. Thanks again, Brody, for that one. Um, and then the can athletic. We, can we treat Hanley Voldemort like, <laughs> like we can't, like we, we shouldn't be saying his name. <laughs> who, who gets to take him down in an epic duel at the end? Sandy. Sandy? Uh, I don't know about Sandy. Maybe Cohen. Um, but one of the other prospects for the athletic, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, made the top 100 as well. So there's about five guys that are hopefully going to make a big impact with this ball club in the next few years. So always fun to talk about prospects. We're probably going to do a, a prospect episode sometime in February. We're going to bring on um, some prospect analysts from – uh, from the industry, and we're gonna, we're gonna break down probably like the top twenty, I would say. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun to talk about some of these prospects and have something to look forward to. Yeah, especially with the new guys that we just acquired, so it's gonna be really helpful. Yeah, definitely get some more info on them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, other than Steve Cohen getting into uh, some Twitter beef today, that's kind of what's been going on. Do you want oh, to touch geez. upon that at all, or? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess we could, we could touch upon it a bit. I mean, uh, what's going on with the market with, uh, some of these historic short squeezes driven by the Wall Street Bets, uh, Reddit server. Um, <laughs> Cohen, Cohen got involved. Uh, uh, bail, I wouldn't say bailing out, but, uh, injecting some funds into a former portfolio manager's fund who's really taking a beating on, uh, on GameStop. Uh, the short squeeze. So, um, who knew GameStop would be uh, hey, look, so, a household name knew, at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, what, it seemed to be a fledgling business, uh, severely hit by the pandemic, but coming into a uh, a, a new console cycle um, with PlayStation, uh, with Sony and and uh, Microsoft releasing their consoles. But um, look, I mean, some guy came out with a thesis about 15 months ago that this was severely uh, a huge undervalued opportunity. And uh, there's a couple of funds that are taking a beating, and then Cohen looked to help out a former colleague. And uh, I think the market and some brokerages kind of shut down some trading today and limited the amount of, of uh, buys that they could make. Um, and Cohen got into it with uh, with Dave Portnoy over at Barstool. <laughs> so uh, it was a pretty a pretty interesting back and forth between the two, but yeah. Um, if you I haven't mean, read the tweets, I would recommend going on Twitter and just taking yeah. a look at the exchange because it's, it's it, so bizarre. It's, I mean, it's so bizarre. It really is. But, yeah, not yeah. ideal. 
But yeah, just hopefully he doesn't go to jail. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna be the case. <laughs> to be honest, I, don't I think it'll be asked. fine. I think this will blow over. I, it's just it's been a wild week in the stock market. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Cohen has any criminal involvement in this. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not, but I don't. I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think he does. But yeah. All right. Well, just wanted to bring that up as well. <laughs> but other than that, that kind of wraps up our show here. Um, hopefully we'll be back soon with, uh, maybe a big sign signing, big trade. I don't know. Something. Hopefully it's just not another Joey Lucchese type deal. Hopefully there's a. Hold on. Speak, speaking of Cohen, I had Cohen Corner first. Don't forget that. <laughs> I had Cohen Corner August 4th of 2020. Joe's tweet that went viral, folks. It went viral. <laughs> I, swear, I want to leave it with, I had Cohen Corner first. You should have uh, you should have trademarked Cohen Corner when you had the chance. Yeah, <laughs> should have. <laughs> what I should have could have. I still can't believe this. This tweet just blew up. What was it? Over five hundred likes. Um, it was a stupid tweet too. It like, was what? stupid. <laughs> it was stupid. It just goes to show you that just stupid stuff on Twitter can just start trending randomly. Yep. So, but anyway, that. what's that? Power of the internet and social media. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps up our our episode today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you could give me a follow on Twitter at BrafZ. You could follow Joe on Twitter at Joe underscore MetsBBC. Uh, you could follow the podcast on Twitter at MetsBBCarnival. Uh, you could find us on pretty much all streaming platforms. Uh, feel free to drop us a rating and review. We would appreciate it. And, yeah, thanks for joining us, and we will speak to you guys next time.